Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind, where we get real world insights on winning from people who have accomplished amazing things. I'm your host, Larry Wydell, and let's get going. I'm talking to Mitch Joel. How you doing, Mitch? I'm great, Larry. How are you? I'm fine. And I uh, just found out you're up in Montreal. And uh, how's the weather up there? Summer everywhere. So it's great. No complaints. We complain when it's too cold. We complain when it's too hot. It doesn't matter where we are. It, it does get a little colder than usual uh, up there, but uh, somehow uh, you guys have learned how to survive and thrive. Uh, yeah, we just all come down to Palm Beach for the winter. That's what we do. There you go. Yeah. And uh, congratulations on your achievements. You've been getting things done for a long time. You were the founder of Six Pixels Group. It's a uh, advisory content producing company focused on brands, commerce, uh, and community. And are you still? Is that still ongoing? It is. I mean, ultimately, Six Pixels Group was an incorporation that I had to pull the trigger on because prior to that, I had built with three other partners a, a very fairly successful digital marketing agency that we sold to a large public company called WPP. And then when I exited that business, I needed a place to hold all of my speaking events, my book publishing deals and those sorts of things. So it really is more of a holding company for my activities that I have with a business partner. And we're on the verge of launching a new startup, which I'm not, I'm in stealth mode as the business right. likes to sure. say, but yeah. uh, super busy on that. And, you know, still very actively out there speaking, uh, doing my own podcast, creating in the media, radio hits, all those good things. Is, and is your um, podcast called Creating in the Media? Is that is no, it no? The, the podcast is called Six Pixels of Separation, which is the okay, same name as my first book. Yeah, yeah and okay. it's, it's I think it's the longest running business podcast in the world. I started broadcasting in two thousand and four or five, every yeah. Sunday, and haven't missed a beat. Haven't missed a Sunday since since launch. So I think it's the longest consistently running podcast maybe out there. Congratulations. And how long will that be? Well, let's do some quick math here. 2005 minus 2022. <laughs> so you're talking a long time. That's a long time. So congratulations on that. And uh, uh, the, you know, looking at your uh, bio, uh, top 40 under 40 award. What is that? Yeah, so every year, uh, I think it's every year in Canada and other regions, they do this top 40 under 40 list. And many years ago, because I'm currently not under 40, um, yeah. I was nominated and, you know, really excited to be chosen as, to be a part of it. And I really loved the event. I loved my other peers that were awarded that award that year. And some of them become lifetime friends who've gone on to tremendous success. More importantly, I decided to get actively involved. And so I remain on, on the, uh, I don't know if it's a board of directors, but selection process committee and involved with the organization to this day. So helping to pass uh, that award along to other young, successful people. And it's not just in business, it could be in academics, it could be in health sciences and beyond. And as I'm sure you know, there's, there's nothing greater than being able to give back and be active in, in bringing forward the next generation of great leaders. Right. You know, that, and I was, before we got going, we were talking about this podcast and you said yours works uh, same way, you know, the idea of passing it on and uh, 
there's a lot of talented people out there. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, uh, yeah, the greatest the greatest fake of my life is the fact that I get to spend an hour here and there speaking to some of the greatest thinkers in the world. And I call yeah. it a fake because then I just publish it. I mean, truly yeah. the publishing is the, the gateway for me to just have an excuse to read an interesting book, article, or concept, and then reach out to that thinker and say, you want to you know, be on the podcast? Yeah. And the thing is that uh, you uh, know what you're talking about. So that's why people love to talk to you. Talk about launching one of the first search engines prior <laughs> to Google even being out there. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't launch it. I launched, you know, I helped, I was a part of a meta search engine called mama.com, the mother of all search engines. And at the time there wasn't Google, but uh, a young entrepreneur where I live here had come up with this idea of taking what there was from the search engine base at the time. It was places like Yahoo, AOL, AltaVista and others and aggregating them into a better search result. And you know, this was very early days and we were coming up, I was helping run the sales team. So we were doing things like, well, telling companies, if you chose a particular keyword, we could then target your ad just to those keyword searches. Or, you know, we had developed internally, our technical team had developed the ability to rank searches based on any variable, one of them being a dollar, right. which became the ad auction platform. So a lot of these very robust multi-billion dollar based revenue models that we see today were created in this small company as others were doing at the same time, but just being a part of that and seeing the opportunity and the growth in search and even just connectivity in the web before, like I said, before Google existed, it was a really amazing time to be alive. It was just very fortuitous, a lot of privilege, a lot of luck and a lot of timing. When did your, uh, uh, just to kind of get the sequence clear in my head, when did the book Six Pixels uh, fall into that cycle? Yeah, a lot later. I mean, a lot later. So in about 2000, 2001, I joined two other business partners. We inevitably became four at this digital marketing agency called Twist Image. And when I got there, you know, web was already relevant, but we still spent a lot of time convincing organizations why they need a website. So that's the right. cycle of where that was in the early 2000s. And again, at the time, you know, blogging had just started. I had come from a background of, of print magazine publishing and right. writing and journalism. And I just felt instead of, you know, driving down the highway, knocking on every corporation's door to build a website, that I could leverage my previous skill of writing and publishing to talk a little bit about how that world is changing and transforming and innovating. Right. So again, at the time, you know, 2002, 2003, a lot of advertising media people weren't really writing and creating content like that. Right. We started right. this blog called Six Pixels of Separation, the Twist Image blog at the time. And I was publishing you know, seven times a week. And then within a year or two, that's when I decided to change Sundays to instead of writing, I would talk because podcasting was yeah. very nascent at the time. Uh -huh. All of that led to people asking me to speak at industry events and corporate events, which led to the attention of speaking bureaus and things like that. And that's when we, that's when it really clicked. We started recognizing that, wow, you can get paid to do business development, which is essentially what was happening. Right. That led to introductions and the book and speaking about the power of podcasting, I had had a guest on my show whose book was to be published in several months. 
That book was called Predictably Irrational. It wound up being Dan Ariely, who's now a world-recognized authority uh, and one of the bigger selling books in the past, I don't know how many years. And right. Dan, who was looking at my stuff, said, you should speak to my literary agent in, in New York City. And I thought, sure, who would? Right. And that conversation led to a conversation with uh, Hachette, one of the largest book publishers in the world, which led to a deal on Grand Central. And that led to the book, which I think came out, I want to say 2006, seven or eight. I'm not really sure. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quite a while ago. So it was an organic development of what you were doing. And then you follow that up 2013 with Control-Alt-Delete. <laughs> and uh, uh, name one of the best business books of 2013. What, what was the point of that one? The world just kept changing and it felt to me like businesses were still in the convince me why I need this yeah. versus shifting to this world of how do we move it forward. And so the original premise of control, I'll delete the subtitle is reboot your business, reboot your life really was, well, how can businesses really think about this at scale? And I was writing and still blogging and writing articles and contributing to other media outlets and I just wasn't breaking the spine on that book. It just wasn't coming naturally to me. And then in the cliche moment of being in the shower, I realized the book is two parts. You know, you can't reboot your business until you've really thought about how you're going to reboot your attitude and beliefs in what digital is and can be. And that's when it became very obvious to me about what the book could be. And so I broke it up into two parts and I created these, these things that have changed these actual functional yeah. changes that would be more obvious than let's talk a little bit about the future and where things are going. Right. And I believe that those two applications at the time to a business book, it was still, again, not something you were seeing cluttering on the bookshelves as you do now. And it was just the right time, right moment. And, you know, both books thankfully did just great, you know, really great in terms of you know, the big thing was really business development and name recognition. It, it, it just, kept adding to the portfolio of thought leadership that wasn't just me being Mitch Joel. In fact, if you look at all the assets we ever put out, it was always tagged along with the agency and the brand of Six Pixels. And so internally as a marketing agency, we would yeah. often say that we're managing three brands. We're managing Twist Image, which was the name of the agency. We were managing Six Pixels of Separation being what we call the publishing arm of the, of the, of the company. And then this individual Mitch Joel in terms of what you know, where should I be speaking? What value does it bring? What are the tools I should be using to communicate? So again, primarily as a driver for business development and marketing that just led to being one in which we were generating really solid revenue from as well. Okay, so let's dig in now. What have you learned uh, from, what are some things you've learned that are difference makers uh, in developing businesses? Things where you know, that, that really started, let's just go back to the beginning, that started standing out to you early on, and then you incorporated into your life, you know, because we already said, you read books, you talk to people, and then you wind up, you know, uh, elevating yourself, you know, just by the association and the infusion of those ideas. Uh, talk about, you know, there's light bulbs that go on, you know, there's awarenesses, and once you see things, you can't really not see them. You know, and so I'm sure your eyes go to, I've always, Mitch, I always, you know, like you've got the guitars in there. I'm, uh, 
wasted a lot of time and money on uh, guitars and banjos and basses and drums <laughs> and all of that stuff. But I was all, you know, you get into learning those things. And if you get the wrong instructor, they're going to want to teach you every scale, every fundamental, you know, like train you like you're going to be a concert uh, uh, orchestra player or something. And but what I was always in my mind was what's in the mind of that lead guitar player? You know, how do they see the fretboard? Because it's very simple, you know, like BB King, you know, things like that. There's a few notes and, uh, you know, the way they hear us, how do they hear it? And so in your, your mind, uh, when you look at businesses, you've, uh, from the beginning, had this interest and it's developed where you're probably pretty fine, uh, fine tuned in spotting winning patterns, thinking, uh, approaches. And so where did this start? What did you start noticing, uh, as you're sitting, sitting in front of your, uh, you know, podcasting and, and, uh, talking with people more, uh, or even in your business, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I think about, you know, where I started, I actually started in music journalism and those were the questions that I was trying to understand better. Why is that person on the cover of this magazine? Why does one band succeed when another doesn't? How do you even create a song? I mean, even those seven notes, like you said, you're very limited, but just the incomparable and 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 just unlimited amount of of changes and opportunities. Right. And I I believe in those conversations. What I really started to understand is the power of what I would call pure art. Yeah. That. Your first, to interrupt you, your first professional job was interviewing Tommy Lee for Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's all downhill from there, as we like to say. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I spent, that, yeah no, I, I spent more than a decade interviewing, you know, everyone in, in the rock, alternative, punk, indie genres for, for many years and, and still continue to. I have another podcast called Groove of the No Treble Podcast, where I interview bass players. And so I've continued that's been oh, over seven cool. years also, where... I just try to have these fun conversations like I have on six pixels with musicians and artists. So, you know, getting back to your question, I think one is just pure art. Like, you know, there is some method to the madness and there is some thinking that you uncover, you do uncover patterns and trends, but you're also, you also become very, very aware that a lot of the times, even when everything's done right, it doesn't always work. You have the best band on the best label with the best management and all the, you know, marketing in the world and the album, you know, doesn't go anywhere. But the real lessons for me come from a couple of places. One is reading. I've always put forward the idea that, yeah, you can spend your time on tweets and watching TikTok and all that's fun and great. And I'm, I do it just as much as anyone else. But really, if you're spending time reading books, you know, days on end with one particular author, with one concept, it's very hard, whether it's related to your industry or not, to, to not be inspired or learn um, or take something powerful from it. So reading is this consumption activity that I feel is still extremely undervalued and in this day and age, almost underutilized. So if I'm interested in something, whether it's cryptocurrency, you know, Bitcoin or Web3 or whatever it might be, I'm, I'm first looking to long form content written in particular, where I can understand this is the learning process. I don't think learning has much value unless you're also communicating. 
And that's the expression of it. And the expression of it for me came in the fact that anybody now in this world can have an idea and publish it in text, images, audio, video, long form, short form, pre-recorded live. And that's a tremendous power and a gift. Most of us use it for really stupid debates and social media, but the more strategic and smart people from my perspective use it as a way to publish and broadcast. And so what's the point of reading and learning if you're not also then taking that information and teaching and sharing it? So the teaching and sharing it then leads to some kind of network or community. And what you realize when people are either following you and you're following them and they're commenting on your stuff and you're commenting on their stuff or you're consuming their content and they're consuming yours is that there is no greater thing we can do as humans than to help better one another. And I used to be very involved in community service and I still am. And even in the early days, people would say, you know, you're building a business, you're young, like why most people don't have the time for it. I just knew, well, how do you build a strong business if there's not a strong community around it to support it? It's not going to happen. So th that was another fundamental for me that, you know, Jeffrey Gittimer would say from who wrote the sales Bible and little red book of selling that your network is your net worth. So you take that community and you nurture it into a powerful network. You take those guests who are willing to spend time with you, those stages that you're sharing with other thinkers to build a, a sense of community and a network. And then you build on that community by helping bring others in and helping them be better at themselves. And then ultimately at the end of it, you have to take business really seriously. And what I mean by that is not that it's our based or workaholic based or hustle culture based. No, I just mean that you have to know that business is always a game of nickels and dimes. And if you can understand how to manage it and measure it and work within it, you can understand the opportunities of it or the limitations that it's going to bring. So when you ask the question, and I'm sorry to ramble, those are the pillars, which is reading, sharing, the network, the community, and then ultimately being really serious about the business that's underneath it. That wraps up this episode. Consider leaving a rating and review if you like what you heard. In addition, I have a free video for you and it contains my best insights from 20 years of running my own business and also coaching million dollar earners. You'll find it at whitelonwinning.com forward slash webinar. Thanks for listening and do it big.